Hey, Husky fans, welcome back to Fourth and Inches, a Husky podcast. My name is Trevor Mueller. With me is Jake Grant, UW and Coach V. The long week is finally over. Washington lost its head coach and Kalen DeBoer. A lot of uncertainty, and they went fishing, got themselves Jed Fish. Arizona's head coach, who turned around a miserable program, is now in the purple and gold. Uh, he's got a lot of work to do, but my overall feel of it is this is the guy that I wanted from the beginning. I'm so happy that he's here. He's a fantastic recruiter. He's got NFL ties. He's been around some of the best in the business uh, at the next level. Uh, talking to Isaiah Stanback today, he's had nothing but glowing things to say about Jed Fish. This is the guy that he wanted. He said the only guy that would make him feel like this program's trajectory was still up on the national level, and I just I can't be happier about it. Jake, initial thoughts. Yeah, I mean, we the four of us have a group chat, and and I I mentioned this when we were going and looking at new coaches. We mm-hmm. talked about potential coaching hires and and what it would be like. And I said in the in the group chat that Jed Fish is the only hire that would make me feel less sad about DeBoer leaving. Um, and it has it's it's immediately kind of transitioned me into okay, what's next as opposed to still being upset that DeBoer was gone. Um, now I get to look forward to his coaching philosophies, his offense that he brings, the the recruiting that he's been known for. So there's a lot of upside to this Jed Fish hire. A lot of people were kind of torn between, what is it, Leipold? Yeah. And, and Fish and Pete Shout Carroll. out Lance Roman. Yes, that was so funny. Um but, uh, you know, Pete Carroll was an interesting idea, but I mean, he's 72, almost 73 years old. That would have been a little scary <clears throat> for me. I'm I'm as happy as I could be with a coaching regime change in the uh, 72 hours after losing the national championship. Well, I don't want to make a habit of this, but it seems that every time we have a coaching change, I nail it on the first try. Let's go. <laughs> Just going to throw my shoulder out, patting myself on the back. (laughs) No, I tweeted it out that morning before we knew that DeBoer was gone. You know, I I really thought that this was the most logical choice. And we talked about it the other day. You got to look at the whole picture. Can he coach? Yes. What's his coaching network? Can he recruit? Does he have players on his current roster that might follow him to supplement what we are lacking right now? Because we don't know who's going to be on the team. Yeah. He checked all the boxes. I know that people are nervous about, well, he might leave for Florida someday. I don't know, man. We just kind of, we just gave him like a 250% raise and are giving him tons more resources than he's ever had. Now, obviously someone could come along and say, Hey, we can give you more than that. But I think the point is we just, you got to get the best guy because if you're waiting for the next Don James, Don James to walk through that door, it's not going to happen. Kind of similar to both of these guys. Um, It's been a rough week. If you would have told me last Sunday that we would be in this position, I, I would not have known how to react to that. It's been a crazy ass week. At the same time, all this year, we've had, obviously our team has had a really great year. And the only thing that has prevented Jed Fish from winning the Pac-12 coach of the year has been Kalen DeBoer. Jed Fish turned around a garbage program at Arizona in three years time, which is a lot faster than Steve Sarkeesian did it at Washington and with fewer resources and with a much less serious, serious athletic department committed to football, which they're not, they're a basketball school. 
So I think this is a really great hire. I feel really good. I think the buyout clause, correct me if I'm wrong, is about 20 million. Is that about right? I don't know. Okay. Well, I, I've heard rumors of that. And that makes me feel pretty safe if that's true, because it sounds like the only real place that we'd be in strong danger of losing him to would be the University of Florida. So I think that we probably have to come to grips with the fact that he's probably a top four-year guy. And I'm sure Troy Dannon is probably understanding that and already thinking about his next move in addition to thinking about who he has to hire for men's basketball. But uh-huh. we all we have to be really serious about like, this is the way that college football goes. It really sucks when we have to do it to one of our own. And I feel terrible for the Arizona Wildcats. I care a lot for their fan base. They're really nice people. And uh, they happen to nail their hire and he happened to do a great job. And when you do your job, you're in danger of something like this happening. And I feel bad for their fan base and I will be rooting for them in the big 12. And also this is a great day to be a Washington Husky. Talked about the turnaround, which I neglected to mention, but was insanely just impressive. And, you know, we talked the other night, Trevor, about what he did when he came to Arizona and how he was trying to win over the, you know, the, the coaches in the, in the state and all, all that. I learned something completely ba- just wild to me is that when somebody was trying to compare it to what Dion was trying to do, turning around a one-win Colorado team, when Fish came into the job, there was a stipulation saying that he couldn't run any of the current scholarship uh, players off. He was everybody he had, and then he had to just recruit on top of that. So Dion came in and just burned the house down and said, you know, Hey, I'm going to bring everybody in who's new. You're probably not going to be here. Fish had his hands tied a little bit where they couldn't process people out. So it really was just working what, what, with what someone left him, which was nothing because he didn't do his job for like three years. And then having to just build it from scratch. And then I don't know how that got done in three years. It is really wild looking at what he took over. Kevin Sumlin owes Johnny Menzel a lot of uh, money Mm. for how much money that that man made for him. Because it felt like he came to Arizona and did almost nothing with uh, anything that was there. Even at the time, Jake's favorite player, Khalil Tate, um, he couldn't figure out how to use him correctly. And this was, I mean, when he took over, it was one of the worst programs in the country. And to be where they're at now when, you know, at the start of the year, they they still had a, a turnover-happy quarterback and had identified and started to develop a kid in Noah Fafita, who's going to come in and outside of Michael Penix, Bo Nix and Caleb Williams, who's probably the next best player and, and maybe Cam Ward. So he was a top half quarterback as a true freshman on a team that just so, so few years ago was a one win team. I mean, and, and then the fact that he was able to come in, I was looking at, uh, you know, what fish took over compared to what DeBoer took over. Cause there's a lot of similarities in the way that they run uh, their system, their offensive minded coaches. And I found myself thinking about what the cupboards were in both of those places. And while Kalen DeBoer and Courtney Morgan and, and Jimmy Lake brought in some of uh, some really good talent to help round out this program, you know, namely Dylan Johnson, um, 
and obviously Michael Penix and J- and Jalen Polk was Lake, but that 2019-2020 recruiting class was the backbone of this Washington team. So he came in with some a lot of a lot of really good players where Fish didn't, and taking a place with much less resources, with nowhere near the NFL talent, he was able to get this team to arguably the second or third best team this year. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it before the conference championship game um Oregon or Arizona who scared you more um for me it was Arizona the way that Arizona was rolling at the time uh we played we played Arizona no Fafita's very first start for Arizona and only squeaked out a seven point win against them um and Fafita if I remember correctly played absolutely phenomenal that day and and then, you know, the, the following week only loses to USC by two in triple overtime. So and then that's their, their that's their last loss of the year. They start rolling off victories, beat the hell out of Wazoo, 44 to six. I mean, everybody that they played the rest of the year, Arizona just steamrolled. If uh, if Arizona had a chance to play Oregon, I probably would have put my money on Arizona. And and that's just a that's just a. A detriment to it's kind of it just says how good of a job Jed Fish did for that university. A hundred percent. They lost three games this year. They lost uh one game was in Tucson and that was to Washington, and the two other games were road games that were overtime losses. And one of them was with Jaden Delora as their quarterback. Yeah. I think three losses by a combined 16 points. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. And we could talk about how wash that Washington game wasn't necessarily as close as the score ended up being, but outside of that, they were, I mean, they, they, they were, they lost two games by, you know, in overtime. So if, if they don't lose to USC in triple overtime by two, they're in a new year six bowl and they're winning that game. And they're playing us in the Pac-12 championship. <laughs> yeah, That's exactly were- it. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, I'm just so happy that it's Jed Fish. Uh Lance Leipold, not that he's not a good coach. He had a lot of similarities to Kalen DeBoer, where you know he won at the lower levels and he's brought Kansas to a place, but I really felt like his age and the connections that he would have out here, especially around recruiting and coaches is where I want to go with this now, is I just don't know if he would have been able to recruit the Northwest California like somebody like Jed fish has. And I just can't believe that he's gone in and earned the respect of Seattle coaches and Arizona coaches who are really skeptical of him when he showed up. Uh, I know we've already talked about it, but tell me what you think his, his ceiling is when it comes to a recruiter and the staff that, you know, hopefully he brings around him that can also recruit at Washington. Everyone's pointing at me. I think he's a people guy. He's a connections guy. And the sky's the limit for that. So it just depends on what kind of people he's going to have working around him. I have my most concern about his defensive staff because he is an offensive guy. And that was kind of our deficit last year in the end. So we need to get somebody who is just in charge of the defensive reins, but I really feel like he's a charismatic guy. He knows that the people make the program and you have to have relationships with high schools and coaches and kids to get them to buy into what you're selling. And that's his first step. And he already has, to Coach's point on the previous podcast, he already has a lot of really good relationships with coaches in the Seattle area coming from Tucson. Probably, maybe arguably better than our last staff, which speaks volumes to him. So um, I don't don't know where the ceiling is, 
but I I like who we have. To your point, Trevor, I'm. This was yeah. as soon as it, it was announced that we were losing our coach and Kalen DeBoer. This was who I wanted, and I'm really happy to get him. And the fact that he he previously coached for the Seahawks with those Northwest ties, the knowledge of the Seattle area already, the surrounding high schools. Um, he he's I already think that he's going to do a better job of building that fence around the state. We always talk about that, right? No matter what you do, there is no fence right now. There is right now. There's no fence around the state. Um, I, I I think Jet Fish will be able to bring in those top upper echelon players from Washington state and still be able to attack Arizona because he's got connections there, California. And now he can attack the Midwest because now we're moving into the big 10 and he has previous connections, uh, coaching for Michigan. And um, who is it? Iowa. I think no, Minnesota. Sorry. Uh, It's Michigan and Minnesota. He's, he's coached there as well. So he has a footprint all around the country. We already talked about him. You know, potentially maybe someday going to Florida. Um, that's because he's been to Florida. He's coached in Florida. So he has these recruiting connections all over the country that can that could really help with the way that he does things. But uh, even more so important than recruiting is developing. And that is one thing that Jed Fish has been able to do very well since he started coaching college sports, uh, college football is the development of players. We talk about Noah Fafita. He was a three-star kid coming out of high school. Um, he wasn't ranked all that good, but he developed Fafita by the time he's a red shirt, a red shirt freshman to come out there. And I'd say he was a top three quarterback in the Pac-12 last year by the way that the season ended. Um, so the ability to to get these guys and, and develop them and to win games is going to be huge for him and for Washington. Yeah, the uh, resources that, he can have it, that he's going to have at his disposal are going to make all the difference in the world. Arizona, what they did at Arizona was phenomenal, but they were doing it kind of on a shoestring budget. And then the stuff that came out this year about the missing $250 million from the budget uh, at U of A, um, it just, you know, there was talks for a while that they were getting his extension done, but it still had to be run through the Board of Regents and they just didn't have the money to match. I think they got, you know, they got him a pretty substantial raise, but it was nothing compared to what he's going to get now. And the biggest part of that is you are going to, it's kind of like what we were running into when we thought we were bidding against Alabama, trying to give DeBoer 15 million or something crazy like that. It didn't end up being like that. It's not just the salary. It's their 40, 50 interns that work in the recruiting office. It's their unlimited resources when it comes to just recruiting anybody they want to in the country. Um, Compared to Arizona, Washington is Alabama. So when you get a coach who knows how to do his thing, knows how to develop, knows how to recruit, and then you're going to give him more resources. um, I know that their class this year was kind of middling. Last year, it was a top 22 class for Arizona that was that's phenomenal so what they can do at Washington I'm hoping is just get back to where we were at the end of the Peterson era where it was like that top 13 top 15 type of class if we can do that we will be set and I think with the relationships that he's made the infrastructure that he's going to have here you're going to see those guys. The one that I'm really interested in, in outside of Will uh, Will Height would be somebody like Noah Carter coming back into the fold as well with somebody that he's familiar with and Jed fish. Um, 
I just think that this hire stabilizes this program. And I, frankly, I don't care about Florida down the road. If, if we're able to show him that he can win here at Washington, I'm not going to care. And if he's successful enough that he does decide to move on, we're going to be in a better place because we're reloading and we have a guy that is focused on recruiting and building that foundation um, that's going to make the university what it is. It's regardless of who's in charge, it's the University of Washington. Coach, you got me thinking about it a little bit there when you were talking about uh, how Washington is like Alabama to Arizona. And this goes back to how important it was for President Kausay and uh, and and the athletic directors, whether that was Jen Cohen or Troy Dan, and it was Jen Cohen at the time, but how important it was to get Washington into the Big Ten. Because if you looked at all of the serious contenders, and we'll talk about each of them here in just a second, um, we were pulling from the Big 12, head coaches from the Big 12, every single one of them outside of one, and we'll get to him as well. Um, that goes to show you where Washington would be if uh, if we ended up in the Pac-10 or in the Big 12, could we have dominated the Big 12? Maybe, but I think every time we'd have a successful coach, we would legitimately become that stepping stone university that everybody's so afraid of becoming. And uh, the fact is, we went out, we took Arizona's uh, head coach. We were looking at both Kansas and Kansas State. And for some odd reason, we were kind of back on uh, the Iowa State coach. And I don't know how much validity there was to that. But we targeted four guys plus Ryan Grubb, who gave a really heartfelt goodbye to to the Husky Nation. We were able to go. I truly believe, and I don't have any – I would love to hear your guys' thoughts if you know anything else. I'm pretty sure this was number one choice. I'm not 100% sure on that. But we were able to go in to an inferior um, conference and take their take their head coach. Not to mention that uh, there was absolutely zero chance of us joining the Big 12. If you thought Upper Campus was right, um, particular before, just try to send us down there. Um, the thing that um, with the other candidates that, and I'll tell you what, I had somebody point blank tell me yesterday that it was going to be a light bulb, and I threw a tantrum. <laughs> I, I And then it looked like it was maybe not going to happen. And the whole time I thought it was going to be fish. And then I'm like, wait a minute, what if this is true? And I start scanning their roster. I'm like, I don't want anybody except that running back on their roster. And then you talk about, well, maybe it's Cleman or Kleiman or whatever you say his name. And I'm thinking Avery Johnson, Avery Johnson would be a good guy to, he's already visited us last year. So, but this guy didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And I was freaking out and we were arguing in the group chat today it got really heated, actually. And I was like, I don't understand, like, why we would pull this guy who's like, you know, pushing 60 and has no ties to the West Coast. And people are trying to say, well, it's not a big deal. It is 100% a big deal. Brock Heward even went on YouTube and, and recorded something tonight and talked about West Coast ties. It is extremely important that we got into the Big Ten. And people, you know, the Cougs of my mention is going to be like, half share, you should have taken the Apple deal. Shut it. Hmm. I'm going to laugh when your coach goes to U of A. Just saying. Coach uh, Digger, Wildcats, 
I can totally see it happening. But the big thing that we all have to just be grateful for is that we're in the Big Ten, we're part of the show, and we're not going to get our coach stolen from any other conference besides maybe the SEC now, which is kind of awesome. Yeah, two two points real quick. Uh, first point, I'm glad that you brought up Ryan Grubb. Um, I wasn't huge on the idea of Ryan Grubb taking over as head coach. Um, I mean, I've been big on Jed since the start of the conversation of uh, hiring a new coach. But after reading his statement, it put that it, that little bit of doubt in my mind that thinking maybe maybe Ryan Grubb does want to be the long-term guy for the University of Washington, and maybe he did want to write it out and, and see it through. I don't know. Just a just an in, inkling of doubt in my mind, um, and and I appreciated what he said. Uh, second point is two conferences. All you have to do is is focus on two conferences moving forward: the SEC and the Big Ten. And if you're not a coach in one of those two conferences, like like Coach mentioned, you're just going to get picked apart. If you're a, a a winning coach, if you're taking a coach from the Big Twelve or the Pac two or whatever conference it's going to be, the ACC, and you're going to make a conference or a uh, CFP, and you're going to make a deep run the next year, I would imagine that you're going to be in the SEC or the Big Ten because those are the two conferences that are going to rule college football from now on. And now that we have Jed Fish and, and we have potential of players coming in and being good again, there's no reason for Jed to go anywhere else because of that. It's We're in the upper echelon conference with an upper echelon team and we're going to continue to win with him yeah I like to just kind of jump off on just the upper echelon I think for the first time in probably 25 plus years we have a university president who is very serious about winning football games and making an imprint on just the national scope as a football school so I'm excited about that. And then also we have an athletic director who is very serious about playing in the big boy leagues and making shrewd moves. And I know this is painful for the Arizona Wildcat fan base and I hate that for them. And also they always have basketball. We don't right now. So, yeah. I mean, I know they lost to the Cougs, but they do have basketball. So get excited about Shout that. Go Cats. I I'm, I think there's a, there's a lot of reasons to be excited about this hire, but I'm really excited about the teamwork of Dannon and Kause right now, because it's the first time in a very long time that we've had a university president and an athletic director who have been very serious about making really excellent choices and really doing their due diligence. And I think that unfortunately for Ryan Grubb, I do think he's a good guy. I think he handled how he left Washington about a thousand times better than Kalen DeBoer, but we very recently went through a Jimmy Lake situation. And I think for that reason, it probably wasn't a, it was a serious conversation, but he probably was never seriously going to be a top candidate for that reason. I feel bad for him, but I also know he's going to be a great head football coach someday. Not here right now. I don't, I wouldn't say never. We could probably hire him when he's truly ready to be a, a head football coach. But um, I think we got our guy. I yeah. think when I was hearing about these other guys from Kansas and Kansas state, I kind of had a similar reaction as I see, you know, coach doing thumbs down and like, you know, pretending to throw up. And I was kind of like, please, no, I need somebody with West Coast ties who isn't pushing 60. Like I, I need a, a youthful person. So yeah, I, I'm really happy with who we got. And again, like 
I, I do feel very badly that it happened to Arizona because I do like their fan base. So I got to talk to Isaiah Stanback today after his video that he put out. And one of the things that he mentioned about Jed Fish is uh, he went all the way back to Talladega Nights and talked about how he's always seemingly his energy level is jacked up on Mountain Dew and uh, got to love that from your head coach. Um, you know, I'm, I think about what he I, I'm not sure if you guys watched his four minute video that he posted on Twitter about the systematic issues that are going on at Washington. Um, and while I agree with him, I think some of those are starting to get taken care of, um, at least from the top. Uh, Anne-Marie Kause obviously has um, made athletics, namely the football program, uh, a paramount in the success of the university. We've seen that. And I think Leah, you posted something about, how it, there's almost like a 30% increase in um, applications to the university. Yeah, it's it's very serious. And it, it really, mm -hmm. having something like this happens, the confluence of not only a natty, but also a major motion picture featuring yep. the University of Washington have a very positive impact, impact on the school writ large. Yeah, so we really you, need to be mindful of that. Correct. Yeah, go ahead, Trevor. And you keep going down to the, you know, he talked about, um, how somebody like Jennifer Cohen leaving after 25 years of being in the purple and gold, which can also be a systematic change as well to get ahead of things where we were so reactionary and kind of behind the eight ball and a lot of things resting on some of the things that made Washington great in the past. Uh, it seems like now, especially with Dan and the way that he's attacked the beginning of this new regime uh even Cohen allowing DeBoer more clemency with some of the things within the program, we have now some innovative people in the places of power that are uh, empowering people under them to be innovative and not reactionary and more proactive. And I think that that's going to be what is the beginning of the systematic change to take Washington from tier two and a half up to that top tier. And uh, I, I can't wait for the future to see what this program's like in 10 years, whether Jed Fish is there or not. I feel like the right people are in, in place that will allow this university to continue to grow uh, in its popularity in athletics, which will uh, in turn uh, translate to uh, the university at large. Yeah, um, I watched that video. And I think while I was watching it, I was just nodding my head. Yeah, because a lot of us had kind of felt that way for a long time. And the evidence had been there for so many years. I mean, who the hell hires Todd Turner? If you care about football and Tyrone Willingham and it, it just the list goes on and on. Um, I do think it's turning around. I don't think it's going to be an overnight deal or one or two seasons and all of a sudden, but up until this year, I didn't realize we had a president that even knew what the football program was all about. Right. The, it was upper campus versus the athletics, right? Right. And back in the 90s, I mean, it was a war. I mean, Don James retired over it. Right. Kind of, you know, sold him out. Um, what I will say, though, back to the point, and, and I read that, too, the other day about the, the applications to UW. Football is always the front porch. If you have good athletic programs, especially football, more people want to go to your school. 
I know for a lot of years, people talked about, well, our fan base is kind of eh, the student section, eh, whatever. It hasn't been remotely as exciting as it is right now. And I know that you can look to a lot of things, you know, upper campus, lack of interest, the amount of out-of-state or international students that, that they get into UW that have absolutely no ties to the program while they're growing up, all these excuses. But if you put something there that is worth being passionate about, guess what? People are going to give a damn. So I, I'm, I'm glad that Isaiah said that. I'm glad he's shedding some light on it. I hope like you, like you said before, I think it is improving. I hope that it continues down that path. But the biggest thing they can do to prove it is the larger financial, you know, investment. And Jed Fish just set a record for any coach at the, at the University of Washington, and he just blew it out of the water. I was just going to say exactly what Coach said, that, like, we just got to win. And also, we we really have to be better about getting our local kids who apply to the University of Washington, make sure that they have an easy path to get there. Not easy, but just making sure that we prioritize having a good portion of the greater Seattle area or the state of Washington kids coming to UW because it makes a difference in butts and seats, makes a difference in the noise level that we have in the stadium. Um, this year was always going to be special. Um, I, I'm proud of the student sections that we had once school started. It's not fair to talk about the early September games because we are on a quarter system. And a lot of those kids, if you are admitting a large portion of your kids that are out of state, they have nowhere to be. So start the conversation now. If you want those kids to be there in the September games, have a place for them to stay. That's it. You want them there, make it happen. You have the athletic department budget to do it, make it happen. But these are the kinds of conversations that we need to have. If we want to have a strong student section and we're on the quarter system, let's be better. Let's make it happen because the big tens on the, on the semester system. So, their their stands are always going to look fuller in terms of our the student section. But that said, I, I think what these moves communicate, and I really appreciated the video that Isaiah put out, is that we are noticing some of the institutional rot that we have and doing things to address it, making sure that we have people that are in positions of power who are very serious about winning championships, competing at the highest level, and doing it with integrity as well. And I I mean, as much as we, we call these guys that have been in and out of our program the last couple of days, snake oil salesmen, and, you know, recruiters and salesmen usually are. Um, what we care about is doing it the right way, doing it the Washington way. And if we can do that, I, I think that people will continue to donate and continue to show up for this program. You're 100% correct. The momentum around this program died earlier this week, and I feel like that momentum starting back up. And I expect, uh, I expect a lot of movement in the transfer portal uh, in high school recruiting to get this ball rolling. And there's going to be a ton of excitement next year when we open up the big 10 schedule. Um, Jake, final thoughts. Yeah. I mean, I, you kind of just mentioned it uh, attack that transfer portal. Um, Kalen DeBoer lived in it. Um, I think Jed fish has the ability to get some really good talent. That's ready to play right now. Um, obviously you want to recruit high school uh, even harder and better than Kalen DeBoer did because he was not leaving us in a better place than when he showed up. But um, pairing those high school kids that are, that are good recruits with really good transfer players that, that Jed has the ability to get is going to, is going to 
instantly win him games, especially going into the Big Ten next year. Um, going into the Big Ten for the inaugural season, uh, we don't want to get clowned on, we don't want to get laughed at, and we don't want to get beat up. So get those players that are ready to play right now, retain some of those players that are in the transfer portal, and let's go win some games. I want to say the last week has been the longest seven years of my life. Yeah, <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> I think uh, it was, I can't even believe that I was flying to Houston seven days ago with hope in my heart and bright eyes and bushy tailed. And um, wow, Um, Caitlin DeVore's in Alabama. Good luck to you. Not really. And I'm super excited that if anything, what this whole ordeal did was force Washington to pony up man up or woman up whatever you want to say and just completely invest in being a bad ass program let's go coach i'm sick of being in between you know i don't want to be tcu i don't want to just go to the national championship game and then get my butt kicked we didn't really get our butts kicked but whatever and then just fall off the map the next year it's very important that we get you know, influx of talent, keep the guys we want. Been hearing a lot of crazy stuff about some of our players and the offers they're getting right now. And it's just like, all right, settle down, guys. Let's find a way to get these people taken care of so they don't want to leave. My my final message that I've been telling people all day is I made a choice uh, last night that if Coach Fish was the guy, I was going to become an annual member of Montlake Futures, and I'm going to commit to buying season tickets for Husky football, despite the fact that I don't live in the state. I want to do my part. I'm not a rich man. I'm not, you know, Bill Gates over here. I'm not Phil Knight, that's for sure. But I, I think that everybody just needs to be conscious of the positive effect that we could have on the program. And I think donating to softball, donating to basketball, to women's basketball, donating to track and field, donating to the rowing team, keeping our programs uh, tip top and first class. But football, as you know, drives the engine for all these other programs as well. Do your part. If you're serious about being a fan, if you if you want this to continue. Find a way to help and donate. Oh, I was just going to echo that. I think that uh, especially those sports that you named coach that aren't the big ones, like men's basketball and football, obviously we need to make sure that we get donations for that, but also things like volleyball, softball, women's basketball, all those things that uh, we had a great crowd at women's basketball night did not come out on top more on that later this week when I have a podcast with Evie, but um, yeah, there's a lot of interest around the program and I'm excited to see it. And it only gets better when we donate. What I don't want to hear from you ever again, coach, is uh, saying that Washington's like TCU, especially after what what is that guy's name? Brandon Walker, that barstool guy. He did you see that? He said, "Yeah, that's, I mean, that's kind of what I'm referring to." Never, kind of yeah, like, and, and never making cool. another national championship again. Shut the hell up. We are not TCU. We are. In the Big Ten, we are on our way, and we're going to win a national in the next five years. Let's go. Quote, quote me. Oh, can I? Can we quote that? 
We can. I mean, it's on a podcast. Yeah. Okay. So, I can't so is, Jake going from it. is Jake going streaking? Is Jake going streaking? If we win an Addy, I'll go streaking twice. Once, yeah. I, once when I get out of jail, I'll, I'll just yeah, do it again. Immediately. Trav, Trav, you going streaking with him? Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm as. I'm as bunkmate. Love me it. And, Love me it. And the guy hanging out in the pool at the uh, Bass Pro Shop. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you ever want to associate our program with TCU again. Yep. Or yourself with the guy from Bass Pro. <laughs> that's that's good. And you know what? Yeah, I'm gonna only, leave it with. We're only gonna make one going fishing reference, and it's not gonna be a Bass. And Pro it's shop. not a Bass Pro shops. <laughs> back, throw it back. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Caleb Presley, who even before this call came down, he was talking about staying true to uh, Washington. That's a true oh, hometown yeah. hero. Can't wait to see him on the field. Um, like I said with Coach before, go dogs forever. Go dogs. Go dogs. Go dogs. Cry, Cougs and Ducks. We still were in the natty. Cry. Husky Nation, it's the end of the third quarter. Are you looking for the perfect tequila for your next get-together? The answer is born from a hero. Hero de Leon, direct from the prestigious Merguia family, just outside Guadalajara, honoring their great-grandfather who saved Mexico from a horrible civil war. It's authentic, courageous, with great integrity, just like the general. Enjoy the smoothest Blanco tequila you've ever tasted or the rich flavor of our Reposado, aged for seven months in American bourbon barrels. Or the ultimate tequila, our Añejo, which is aged for 18 months in the same bourbon oak barrels. Go to your favorite liquor retailer or restaurant and ask for Hero de Leon because it's always the end of the third quarter. Imported by Zombie Beverages, Mercer Island, Washington.